and welcome to episode 27 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that makes a New Year's resolution to get in shape only to find out that all the gyms are closed due to lockdowns, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the Skyclave apparition herself, Emma. How are you doing this week? I'm doing alright, you know, new year, new me, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. How was your New Year's? It was fine, yeah. Made yeah. a quiz for some friends from home, had a few drinks over Zoom while doing it, so yeah, it was good. Yes. Chill. How about yeah, yourself? Nice. Yeah, same. Um, so I just went on the Zoom chat with a couple of friends, just had a load of beer and whiskey, and we went through some old like 90s British quiz shows like Supermarket Sweep and stuff, because for some reason they're <laughs> all on YouTube and we just watched it while drunk and it was very hilarious. Nice. But yeah, otherwise I'm good, can't complain. I've got some time off work, so I'm super chilling out and catching up on sleep. Lovely. In terms of magic, I'm still on a bit of a break because it's New Year's and not a lot happens, so I'm just taking as much of a break I can. Um, mm. But I do have a little project I'm working on, so I'm working on a new Ooh. EDH deck, which is Hans Eriksson and Safi Eriksdor because they are the most flavourful partnership in magic, and mm-hmm. I've kind of always wanted to build it, and Naya seems like a fun shard to work in. So it's going to be snow themed, so there's going to be a lot of snow stuff. And it's going to okay. be like promo blingy, not, not necessarily like expensive bling, but like budget bling themed. So yeah, I've got a card from Wattseed with the holiday promos called Top Deck the Halls. And mm-hmm. a win condition in the deck is that if you have X cards with decorate, and decorate can be anything from like promos, extended borders, date stamped cards, anything like that. If you mm-hmm. have X amount of those, you win the game. So I'm just going to make a fun little Christmassy nice. budget kind of deck around that. And so that's been taking up a lot of my time. But yeah, it's going to be like casual rule zero, you know, because that's how I like to play Commander. Yep. Otherwise, in content, I'm writing about Ponza and Gruel midrange in Modern on mm. a Budget because I wrote about it quite a while ago and the strategy has mm. changed a lot since then and I want to update it a bit. So that will be up on TCG Player this week. Nice. Otherwise, I've been playing through Fire Emblem Three Houses still, still really, really good. Um, can't recommend it enough. And as we spoke about before, I picked up a PS Vita so I can flash it and play some PlayStation 1 games, <laughs> and I'm really, really excited. Excellent. How about you? Well, to touch on the PS Vita, I've actually been playing mine as well. I put a bunch of emulators onto it, and I'm finally settling down to play one of the OG Metroidvanias, and that is Super Metroid. Oh, so, so good. yeah, I, I never had access to a SNES when I was growing up, so I am now visiting a lot of the early classics for the first time. Uh, on my own jailbroken PS Vita, and I'm having a blast with it so far. I'm only about an hour into that because I started it last night, today being Sunday, so I started on Saturday, because I just finished Ori and the Blind Forest, which was pretty good too. It was very good. The visuals and soundtrack are absolutely stunning, and it's decently challenging. There are a couple of like frustrating parts, but on the whole, like it is very good. Um, I would definitely recommend it. And then... I've also just been playing some Dead Cells, um, more Ooh, more nice. roguelike than Metrovania, I suppose. But yeah, very enjoyable. A lot of replay factor in it. In terms of magic, I've been building two new pauper decks. Ooh, add to that collection. So the first one is Cycling Storm, because as you know, they're my two favorite words in magic: cycling <laughs> and storm. <laughs> yeah. So I couldn't not build it. Put it that way. Uh, the other one is Mono Black Aristocrats. So it uses like Cauldron Familiar, which was downshifted in Jumpstart. And it can loop that by sacrificing to, like, Carrion Feeder. And Mortician Beetle can gain counters from sacrificing stuff. So it's kind of like an inverse Carrion Feeder. But you have stuff like Ginger Brute and Golden Egg to be able to get back the Cauldron Familiar and mm. loop it that way. So 
it's not exactly tier one, but it is tier fun, and that is where the best magic happens. <laughs> yeah. I will stand by that till the day I stop playing magic. But yes, uh, in terms of content, my article this week is five underplayed blue cards under five dollars, and it'll actually be out by the time you're listening to this on Card Kingdom, so you can pop over there for some nice cheap picks. But yeah, that's been myself. That's been from New Year's up until now. So yeah, it's been pretty good. It's been pretty eventful. Have we got any housekeeping this week, Emma? Um, yes, we do have some housekeeping. We would like to give a huge thank you to Nerblin, who is the latest patron of our stocks tier. So thank you very much and uh, enjoy the stocks. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show. And their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right. So this week we are doing something a little bit different. And I know we say that basically every week. We're doing something a little bit different. We're trying lots of different things. But... This time, we're actually doing something that we definitely have never done anything like before, and that is we're having a 2020 retrospect. So at the time of recording this, Caltime spoilers are yet to come up. Like there have been one or two, and there's been a, a pile of leaks, and we'll get to that at some point. But there hasn't been enough to sort of, you know, base a whole episode on. We would just sort of use up a little bit of time, and it would just seem a bit disjointed and weird. So rather than do that, we're going to wait a week before jumping into spoilers and that kind of thing. So instead, we're going to look back on 2020 what we found good, what we found bad, and what we found kind of okay, or both good and bad. Mm, pretty busy year, by the looks of it, so a lot happened. An awful lot has happened. Awful lot. Uh, a lot of bad things obviously happened in 2020 and are still happening now to this day, but, you know, we can focus on some other stuff, like the good things, first of all. Yes. And the first thing I think we do need to make very, very clear is that one thing Watsi did great in 2020 was the reprints were fantastic. Not perfect, because we're still waiting on, on fetches, but very, very, very good. The, the mana rocks are staying nice and cheap. Arcane Signet is now completely affordable. Soul Ring is still nice and low. I don't think that's ever going to drop any lower than it is, because it's been reprinted like a thousand times. Yeah. And it's still like a dollar or two. Like I think that's just going to be where it is forever. You know, and I think Arcane Signet is going to kind of rock around that price point as well, so... Ah, uh, rock around. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we've other stuff as well, like, I, I kind of lumped a bunch of these into, like, cantrips. I know it kind of stretches your definition of the term cantrip, but, you know, you've got Preordain, you've got, like, Manamorphos, Mishra's Bauble, like, these all see extensive play in multiple formats, and they were all reprinted this year. Like, these are things that we just need to see multiple printings of and make sure that they're just sense because at some point nearly all of these are like common you know they shouldn't yeah. be worth more than like 20 cents yeah and then i'm going to talk about my favorite set that came out last year which was double masters because that was just <laughs> the best reprint set for modern i think ever yeah. i want to say like, i know that's a bit of a take but you have stuff like noble hierarch which is now affordable compared to what it was previously and even stuff like blood moon yeah. is really really cheap now like it's it's affordable mm. to play this really powerful enchantment and then you've got stuff like engineered explosives that we're both big fans of which is mm. like dollars now compared to what it was before yeah so yeah. what's have done a really really good job of reprinting modern staples outside of the fetch lands of course but they'll be coming don't worry 
and yeah, just yeah. lowering that barrier to entry to the format, which, you know, modern always had an issue with. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, I don't think I'd fight you on the whole Double Masters being the best reprint set either. I think I think you're pretty spot on with that. Or at the very least, it's so close that it's not worth yeah. arguing over. But, but we're magic players. We should argue anyway, right? <gasps> and yeah, you, and you've got like the desirable sort of uncommons as well. Like you mentioned, like Manamorphos and Mistress Bauble. They're also in Double Masters. Mm-hmm. And stuff like Path to Exile is now a really affordable removal spell. It's so cheap yeah. and it makes me so happy because it is one of the best removal spells in modern and it's just yeah. allowing players to get into magic much easier and modern as well. Yeah. And sure, Tron is basically half the price now, thanks to Double Masters. Well, yeah, Double Masters is Tron Masters, essentially. Because <laughs> you've got all the Tron lands, you've got your car, and you've got your worm coil engines. You know, you've got all the cantrips, like Chromatic Star as well, and Ancient Star. Yeah. So you can pretty much build a deck from your box of Double Masters. It's great. Yeah. Can't recommend it enough. Have I'd love more sets like that, please. Just every year have a reprint set for modern would be great. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Mm. Reprint the stones out of everything. But uh, what else was good? Oh, another good reprint was um, the partner commanders, the original partner commanders. Yes. They were really expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They definitely needed a, probably a couple of reprintings. But I think Commander Legends actually did it pretty effectively in the, in the way that they did it because there were the original reprintings. Uh, in Commander Legends, then there were the foils, and then like the etched foils, and then like the, like there's just so many different versions that were available in Commander Legends that the variety alone was enough to absolutely tank the living bejesus out of the price. Yeah, that's so. that's a really good point because even in like normal sets, you had the normal version, the foil version, the extended art non-foil version, and mm. then the extended art foil version. Just because there's so many copies of it, it's just flooding the market. So. Just yep. makes it all really, really cheap, which is a great way to do it for people who want, you know, people like us who like budget bling. Yeah, absolutely. Budget bling is 100% a thing now, which is fantastic. Speaking of the partner commanders, Commander Legends in general, I think was just a huge win. Yes. You can make the argument of like, oh, well, Jeweled Lotus actually is bad for Commander <laughs> and Hull Breacher and like, sure, but you could also, you know, just rule zero and just don't run them. It's fine, you know, but yeah. on the whole, the entire rest of the set has been net positive for magic in general, bar maybe fall from favor for popper, but that aside, <laughs> yeah, that can't. Uh, let's not talk about that right now. I have feelings, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Commander Legends. It was great fun, you know, playing limited. Um, now, obviously, we couldn't really do it in paper, so it would be more of a case of doing sealed over webcam and stuff. But that was a blast. It was mm. so much fun. Yeah, fair play to Gavin and the team. They really made a great experience from this, and. You know what, if they said we're doing Commander Legends 2 next year, I'd be like, you know what, bring it on. I think... Maybe, maybe not next year, maybe maybe give it like two years. I'm a little biased, but I kind of yeah. want Battlebond 2 before Commander Legends 2. But Battlebond yeah. 2 would depend on if we can play it in person. This is very true, yeah. Yeah, 2 Eddie Giant Draft is like one of my favourite things to do. The 2 Eddie Giant in general is one of my favourite formats, because mm. it's just a bunch of fun. But yeah, yeah. I really love Battlebond 1, and I'd love to see Battlebond 2, but it's not very good if everyone's in lockdown, so we'll have to see. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Battlebond 2, actually, there's something I wanted to get down on record here. Um, <laughs> so, before the recording of the cast, myself and Emma were talking about cards that we'd like to see downshifted into Pauper. And we were talking about the mana bases in Pauper are kind of awkward because a lot of them are like tap lands. And... That is not beneficial for the faster decks in the format, like the more aggressive decks. So you're kind of stuck with playing monocolored, like monogreen stompy or, you know, red deck wins or burn or whatever. And 
that very much limits your aggressive kind of things. I know I'm kind of going off topic with this, but I'll be quick. I was thinking, what kind of land could we have downshifted to common that would benefit the more aggressive strategies, but essentially provide no real benefit for the slower, more controlling decks that already have all the tools they need? And the one that I settled on was Unclaimed Territory. They're basically Cavern of Souls that doesn't have the uncounterable. It was uncommon in uh, Ixalan. So I thought of this, and I just wanted to get this on record because I sent it over to Gavin Verhey's suggestion. I was like, hey, Gavin, I, I know you said that like I should send over like suggestions for downshifts to Pauper that might be you know cool or interesting. And I thought this one would be really, really sweet. So if in the likes of, say, Battle Bond 2 or you know another Commander Legends or another Tribal Set or something like that, where Unclaimed Territory is downshifted to common, that was me and you're welcome. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I just wanted to get that out there. I mean, I agree with you. It'd be a fantastic land to have in, in Pauper. Oh, it'd be so fun. Absolutely. It, it just make aggressive decks can actually be aggressive. Yeah. Without making them too powerful, I think it's a really good option. Yeah, for sure. I think it'd be great fun to play with. But, that aside, tangent over. Uh, <laughs> let's get back to what was good about 2020. We've only got a couple other things left that are good about 2020, because, let's be honest. One of the things that I think was really fantastic was in general Zendikar Rising, but more specifically the modal dual face cards. So like the Pathway okay. Lands, the likes of Balagad Recovery, all that kind of thing. That design is, I would say, probably one of the best magic designs at this point, possibly ever. Oh, really? Like I, I would go out there and I would say that this is one of the best designs because there is a drawback to it. You know, like the spell is either a little bit inefficient and the land comes in tapped or you've got to pay a hefty enough chunk of life for it to come in untapped, but it only taps for one color. And, you know, like there are enough restrictions on this while also being super, super flexible that this mitigates screw and flood enough so that it stops feeling bad, but not mm. enough that it doesn't exist and is no longer magic. I think this is such a on the nose design it's so so right it's so good like yeah absolutely one of the best things that magic has done possibly ever for the game i agree i think they're really really good i'm a big fan of the pathway lands as well because they are like dual lands with a downside because you have to decide on what you need but mm-hmm. overall just because zendikar rising is just printed to the ground they're just really really cheap budget dual options for, for like modern and pioneer and I would like this to be evergreen as well within Magic. I'll mm. be happy to see every set have them. Like, Kaladheim's going to have a couple because the Pathway Cycle is going to be completed, which means we're probably yeah. going to get a few other spells that are also, you know, dual-faced. But yeah, I would love this to be evergreen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, alongside Adventure, I really like Adventure as a mechanic from Eldraine. I think that's yeah. really good. I would like that to be evergreen as well. I think I'm up there with Adventure as well, though... Because of the power of the adventure cards that we've seen so far, I'm not saying that they're too good, but if they remain around that level, the chances of them accidentally printing one that's incredibly busted is very, very high. So if they were to slightly tone it down... Looking at you, Bonecrusher Giant. I, I actually think Bonecrusher Giant is, is the perfect balance of like very, very powerful card. And I think it's the best designed uh, adventure card overall. I quite like Beanstalk Giant myself. I am a huge fan of it in Commander, i got to admit. Yeah. Just having a ramp spell sometimes being a win condition instead is just great. Yeah. But I think if they were to take adventure cards and like take them down just a smidge and sort of use that as the baseline, I would be very happy to see that being not necessarily evergreen, but deciduous at least. In an ideal world for me, modal dual face cards and cycling being evergreen, that is my ideal magic right there. I think 
I'd agree with you, but I'd want kicker in there as well. It allows flexibility, which is why we like the dual face cards and why we like cycling, because it gives you an additional option. It gives mm-hmm. you an insurance. So. I mean, to be fair, Gavin Verhey did point out before that kicker is essentially the base point for so many different abilities and stuff. Like if you mm-hmm. look at a bunch of other abilities, they're essentially just kicker. He did a, mm-hmm. he did a video on this on, I think it was while designing some of the Zendikar Rising cards. He was like, there was another mechanic that they were going to use, but they ended up dropping it because they were like, it's it's just kicker. And then they were like, <laughs> look at all these other things. And he pointed out, like, I think it was like 15 other different abilities that have since come and gone. And he's like, this is just kicker. This is basically <laughs> also just kicker. You know, and he listed through a bunch of them. I looked at all of them. I was like, oh, my God, he's right. <laughs> They're basically all kicker. They're just different words or like very slightly yeah. different, you know. So, yeah, I mean, like I could see kicker being evergreen you know what let's add that so kicker yeah. modal dual face okay. cards and cycling Cycle. if we can make those oh. evergreen i think magic will be solved <laughs> <laughs> simple as that <laughs> yeah simple as that um and then there are two other good things from yeah. magic in 2020 that we can remember okay because it's very hard to sit here in january of 2021 and look back on the last 12 months which feel like 70 months let's be honest or one and we're still in march that, no, no. Throw this conspiracy out the window. I, I refuse to believe this. So, yeah, if there are any things that we missed in terms of good stuff in Magic 2020, by all means, let us know on Twitter. But the last two things we have are Spell Table. Spell Table has been a godsend. It's yes. kept me sane. You know, I've been able to play online with friends, you know, testing some modern decks, doing. I do modern on Wednesdays in an Irish Magic Discord, which is great. Which, actually, I said that I would shout it out again. If you are listening to this and you're in Ireland, message me on Twitter, and I'll find a way to get you onto the Irish Magic Discord server because there's a bunch of people there from LGSs and that kind of thing around Ireland that are all just in there and playing EDH daily and Modern Weekly and Pauper, sometimes fortnightly and stuff. So if you're in Ireland and you want to get in on this, message me on Twitter, let me know. That's a volunteer. But, yeah, it's been fantastic. And the thing is, as well, for content... It's been unreal. It's been so So good. Yeah. People are just, you know, starting up Twitch and, you know, just streaming these games because they're like, well, this requires literally no additional effort. And all of a sudden, all of this content is spewing out all over the place. There's so much. You're spoiled for choice now. And what's really good about it, and I really like this because one of the, I've said this before, one of the reasons why budget is important to me is to make sure that it's inclusive because you don't want to have someone unable to take part in the thing that you like just because it costs them more than it should or they can't afford mm. the same level as you like that's just not fair it's not nice so one thing i really love about spell table and more streaming it and stuff is it's lowered the perceived minimum requirement of production quality needed for content people don't yeah. look at the likes of game nights now and go oh well, like my stuff doesn't look like that so therefore like i can't put this out it looks like garbage yeah. whereas now everyone's like screw it upload this like seven pixels game state like up onto spell table and throw it on twitch and let's go you know yeah. and people watch it and enjoy it i'm watching it all the time and I'm enjoying it. Loads of people playing games and it's a blast. And it makes it feel like content generation like that is just so much more inviting to people now and so much easier yeah. and handier to do and more inclusive. You know, it's great. Yeah. Love it. It's just really easy as well. That like setting up spell table is an absolute doddle. Like it took me what, yeah. five minutes. You just need to make an account and just put your name, 
like it, t- it tells you what pronouns you prefer to be called by as well which is a really neat touch which is yeah, i think is what i was mentioning sweet. but yeah like even like watching it on twitch it's just everything's planned out you can see each other's board states and you just get to hear them chatting about commander and just playing some casual games like it's probably one of the best things to come out of last year i think i do think it's one of the brightest silver linings to have come from uh, the situation which in the grand scheme of things doesn't sound all that positive <laughs> But no, <laughs> but even even when there comes a time when we can play Paper Magic in person again, spell table's still going to exist. People are still going to play online, and yeah. you get to play with people on different time zones and stuff as well, which has been an absolute yeah. delight. Yeah, now that we're used to it, yeah, there's no reason for it to go away, which is oh, yeah. amazing. I believe once you bought it out, they actually own they, it now. They did, and would you believe the very first day that you had to use your wizard's account login details, yeah. uh, I couldn't log in. <laughs> it's very typical isn't it (laughs) yeah Yeah. and then the final good thing that we have here is of course the launch of the bm cast of course we're great don't you know we're fantastic (laughs) (laughs) yeah now in all seriousness it has actually been great it's been fantastic it's been good to be able to get a nice creative outlet for this kind of stuff going and to be able to put out the content that i honestly wish i had before I started making content myself. Like one of the reasons I started making content is because I wanted to make the stuff that I couldn't get. You know, I wanted to get these like, you know, easily digestible guides on how do you pick up and play this deck? You know, like I don't want to have to watch like seven or eight hours of streams of someone playing a deck without actually fully explaining it and try and pick up little tidbits while they're playing and stuff. That's too much effort. You know, I just want to listen to something for a half an hour get a grasp of how a deck works and then buy it yeah. or just proxy it and try it or whatever and get a feel for how the entire experience is supposed to be and then decide whether I want to buy it or not, you know, and that's great that we can do that now. I enjoy yes. that we can do that. I, I also enjoy that. I think starting the BM cast last year was probably one of my biggest highlights just because it's something I've mm-hmm. always wanted to do. But, yeah. you know, it's timing, it's finding the right person. And like you said, the reason I started Budget Modern is because that content did not exist when I started. And I would have loved to have that when I started. So yeah. we can leave a legacy for future modern players and, you know, not break the bank. Yeah. So that was all the good stuff. We could talk about the bad stuff next. So one of the first and most obvious things that was bad about 2020 was, well, you know, the global goddamn pandemic. But you know what? Everyone's already hearing that. So uh, we're going to go with Power Creep as our first one instead. Uh, <laughs> Design <laughs> yeah. 2020. Yeah, there was a bunch of stuff that uh, probably shouldn't have happened. Sorry, I'll, I'll put an asterisk on that. I honestly think that a lot of these cards totally deserve to exist and are fine to exist, but I think they implemented them incorrectly. And that is to say, the we have a list of cards that we have here under Power Creep, you know? And see, I'll just list some out here. Uro, Lurus. Omnath, Yorian, Thassa's Oracle, Underworld Breach, Heliod. Like, these are all very, very powerful cards, absolutely. Let me pose this question to you. How different would magic look if these instead were in either Precons or Commander Legends? Imagine it'd be a lot different because yes. I think Underworld Breach might be the only one because I believe that's banned in Legacy. Mm-hmm. But I think otherwise it would probably be fine because, you know, it wouldn't damage Pioneer the way it did. It wouldn't damage Modern the way it did. But standard sets need to sell. This is very true. You need to have these headline mythics, even though they get banned after like three weeks, you still need to print them. So it's unfortunate that it seems to be that way, but I agree with you. I think a lot of it would have been better if, you know, you had companions in Commander Legends instead of Mm -hmm. Ikoria. Yep, 100%. 
that to me just always made sense. You know, like all of these cards to me kind of read like commander cards. Like a lot of them are incredibly powerful legends. Was the first place you would think of putting them as commander. Yeah, yeah. let's not forget 2020 was the year of commander, quote unquote. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe that's why they were put into standard then to try and Maybe. tie standard sets into commander. Yeah. Maybe or just Watsy identified that commander as their biggest player base, so they're just gonna try and put commander product in everything to make them buy it. I don't know. That's almost definitely it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then another bad thing to happen was well, the life of Pioneer in general, I guess. Like, the whole thing was a mess. This is the one I'm one of the most saddest about. <laughs> I'm kind of salty about it, to be honest. Yeah, I'm really upset about this, because I really liked Pioneer when it first came out. Yeah. Yeah, so you had, like, the combo summer, so you had, like, Underworld Breach, Fassa's Oracle, Inver mm. and stuff, which was just completely unhealthy for the yep. game. Those cards stayed in Pioneer way too long, in my opinion. Like mm. it, it was clear that Watsy had no attention to the format. Not to mention, obviously, COVID, people couldn't play in paper. I think that damaged the format as well, because especially in the early years of a format such as Pioneer, you need to have that paper magic. You need to have that engagement. Yeah. It felt like it just like it was robbed before it could start. And it doesn't feel fair, I guess, because I really like Pioneer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, Pioneer was going to be the eternal format that kept me, as opposed to the likes of Modern instead, because a lot more of it feels more familiar to me, and the cards that I learned to play with, a lot more of those are still viable. Mm. You know, I know that's going to change over time when sets come out and stuff, but on the whole, Pioneer just felt more like my format. I think I said this shortly after Pioneer came out. It felt way much more like my format, you know, for newer people getting into eternal formats and that kind of thing but yes i do think the combo summer problem it, it lingered for too long and it was a sign of what's you not paying enough attention to the format and yeah the whole no paper magic situation is really really bad for like you said an eternal format in its formative years because imagine if this had happened to modern in the first year you know like modern would be in a shambles yeah. Also, we need to talk about Historic as well on Arena because I think that's taken a lot of the limelight as well because people can actually play Historic because it's a digital format. Yeah. I think there is a lot of overlap there. So I think a lot of people who really enjoy Pioneer just jumped onto Historic instead because they could play it. Yeah. Now, I will say that there is light at the end of the tunnel for Pioneer and that is when it eventually finally ends up on Arena. Yeah. Because once it ends up on Arena it'll probably balance itself out. It's just now in the interim, it's going to be a garbage fire Mm. because look at Brawl. Brawl was a thing for like three weeks and then everyone stopped playing it and then they made it available on Arena and now everyone loves it. Like Honestly, I forgot Brawl existed. I'm going to be honest. But then again, I don't really play Arena, so... Yeah, we're not playing Arena. That's that's the main (laughs) thing. But I, I honestly think like a lot of the player base is in Arena right now. So if we put Pioneer in there, they're going to play it. And it'll be great. I would I would play Arena if Pioneer was on there. I, I think that's the biggest thing that will bring me back. Same. I, I used to play like six, eight hours a day on Arena and I'm now just not playing that at all. <laughs> we we used to play when we had our pre-BM cast brainstorms before the cast was a thing. We used yeah. to play a bit of Brawl, didn't we? Yep. Yeah, so Pioneer, we'd love to see it be fixed. Hopefully this coming year, it, things will get better. Yeah. All we need to do really, to be honest... If they want more people to focus on Pioneer now, they just need more high-value tournaments, to be honest. There have been very few. Like, there have been some, but not that many, you know? So, like, a lot of the, the, the grinders and all that kind of stuff, they're not really going to Pioneer because they've no real incentive to. 
there's no decent prizes on the line. And when they are on the line, some of the grinders don't necessarily want to go into a format that they're completely not used to just to try and learn a bunch of new stuff and go to all that extra effort to try and do well at this one tournament when they could just stay on the bleeding edge of modern technology and that kind of thing and just hover Mm. there and just do well there with very little effort, you know? So, yeah, it's just... It's a recipe for disaster currently with Pioneer, but we'll we'll hopefully see it be fixed over the next little while. Fingers yeah. crossed. Agreed. Speaking of another thing that needs to be fixed, and that is <laughs> another bad thing, and it is to do with reprints. Reprints are great, but reprints, when you keep reprinting the same thing at Mythic over and over and over again, that is not good. I'm looking specifically at the likes of, you know, Force of Will and Mana Drain and everything. They're not dropping the price whatsoever they're maintaining a price you know like force of will and mandarin are currently floating somewhere between 40 and 60 dollars that's frankly unacceptable for a rectangle of cardboard it's unacceptable it's not legal tender it's like i don't know this is not okay when something is currently in print like force of will and mandarin how how is it that money how is that rectangle of paper got another good one actually vampiric tutor vampiric tutor that actually has dropped a little bit Okay. Just a little bit. But I think it's kind of maintaining around $30 now. Yeah. Just have a really good master set where you drop a bunch of Mythics down to Rare and just make life easier and sell more packs. Rare Masters, I'm in. Yeah. No, Mythic Masters. Have Mythic Mythics masters. at every rarity. Oh, God, that'd be terrible. No, let's not do that. Oh, hold on. I have it. I have it. What? To save ruining a draft environment, what you could do is you could do Mythic Masters so that they could be at potentially any rarity except common because you don't want to screw a pauper. Um but have them as set boosters only. So they're not designed for draft. They're only Ooh, for set boosters. I like that. Clever. Mm. I like that. And mm. because, you know, there needs to be more than you just put a rare wild card in for arena. There you because go. There you go. Done. Slap a little code in that gives you one rare wild card or one mythic wild card in every yeah. four packs. Just, yeah. Watsy, you know where I am. If you need to hire me, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of sort of reprints and on the topic of cards and stuff as well, you were talking earlier, you were complaining about this, uh, leaks. Yes, so it's something that's not going to go away, but yeah. I don't really want to see leaks of a set that hasn't been officially previewed. I'm looking at you, the random guy who leaked half of Commander Legends, and the person that's decided to leak some account time already. It's not cool. Yeah. Just stop. Just like, there's no need for it. I don't yeah. want to see it. No one else wants to see it. I know we live in an age where information is shared almost instantly and stuff gets out, but it's just not cool. I don't know who's yeah. doing it. If it's someone at WotC doing it for marketing, I don't care. It's not cool. Like, you're better than yeah. that. It's just really frustrating. Even, like, from a creator perspective, like, imagine if that was, like, a BM cast preview, for example. Mm-hmm. That would be really, really rubbish. And it's just not a nice thing to do. Yeah, in general. It's just not great. Rant over. Yeah. Another thing that's not nice to do and that really, really knocked my confidence in people was uh, towards the start of the pandemic when things were in discussion about being closed down or put on hold or whatever, when events were being cancelled initially and people were like in the Twitter comments discussing like whether or not they should close down for safety reasons or whatever and be like oh that's not fair you know like i've been looking forward to this and i'm like people are dying you idiot like yeah let these things just close down and come back later you can't just let people die and have them come back later like have some perspective here you know i don't want to get into a rant about the pandemic let's not do that let's move very quickly on from this (laughs) (laughs) yeah so the last one that is bad and this is aimed at scott Mm. is the banning of leech tree in commander it's just not fair it's just let me have it 
as commander, but banned as companion. It's not that difficult. It's not that hard to implement. It's really not. Just let me have my little electric water sausage as my commander. I don't want to have to rule zero it. Don't tell me to rule zero it. Let me just swap out Jorien and put Lutri in instead and not have to see if everyone's okay with it at the table. There's nothing wrong with it if it's a commander. Just doesn't need to be a companion. That's all. I agree. Rant, rant I agree. over. We've got a lot of little <laughs> rants. Oh, God. Is this just a rant recap of the year? Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's continue on to things that we thought were kind of neutral or that were a mix of both good and bad. They have good parts and they have bad parts, but they all sort of just end up kind of being somewhere in the middle. So the first one is bans. So in case anyone didn't know this, uh, there were only three months this year in which no cards were banned. And they were February, November and December. Every other month had something banned in some format, in some way, shape or form. So bans have been happening a lot. A lot of them are same similar cards as well. <laughs> yes, a lot of them are very similar cards that we've actually already mentioned in Power Creep uh, back in the bad section, which is kind of what the bad part is. The good part of this is that, you know, they weren't afraid to ban, like, face cards pretty quickly as well, in the case of, like, Omnath in Standard, for example. Mm. And they did need to happen in order to make formats better. The fact that they were needed at all kind of sucks. You know, I would sooner... This is just down to my view on how they should be approaching Magic, is I would sooner have them attempt to make new ground in Magic and discover and try new things and then quickly turn around and go oh that was a mistake i'll just ban that it's okay Mm. i would sooner have them do that than have them just print boring cards you know i would sooner have new exciting things that occasionally are too good and i just have to deal with it that's myself personally i'm not taking into account that sometimes people buy these cards and then they potentially lose out on some of their money or whatever but i suppose like it's it's a card game with the marketplace and Mm. Like, you're going to be taking on some of that risk by buying cards in the first place. So, you know, yeah, looking, it's subjective, looking through, I guess. Yeah, so looking through this list of stuff that's been banned in 2020, some of it I just completely forgot was banned or existed in the first place. Like, mm. Once Upon a Time, for example, forgot that existed, to yeah. be honest. And Microsoft Flatus, like, that got banned in modern. That was like the start of the year. Yeah. Completely forgot. Yeah, absolutely. There's been so many. So, so many. More bans this year than any other year, I believe. But... Mm. Another downside is that some people argue that other bands still haven't happened. For example, Uro and Pioneer. A lot of people calling out for that to be dealt with. And similarly, Tron has been sitting around in Pauper and has just been getting better or just staying as strong and as oppressive as ever, even in the face of the likes of other cards that people want banned, like Fall from Favor or the Monarch Mechanic in general. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to bands and the curation of legal card pools, but... Yeah, there, there, there's good and there's bad there. So we kind of decided to put it somewhere in the middle. Yeah, um, so the next one, which is a very conflicting subject, I think, especially, what, like, late last year, which is the secret yeah. layers. Yeah. Like, especially the Walking Dead one, which had mechanically unique cards that were very expensive, that had this very short window. Mm-hmm. Um, it caused a lot of ruckus with enfranchised Magic players because it just felt like if they wanted these cards for whatever reason so mostly commander or legacy they would have to buy them then or it would be an inflated price later on just because of circulation yeah caused a huge amount of divide i think overall i like secret layers especially like reprinted stuff because it allows you just to have different takes on cards like different arts and stuff like i really like the dogs one they did recently you know with the 
with the pug and the ancient grudge. I think that's really, really cute. And it's a really cool way to like personalise your yeah. deck. But overall, they just seem a bit... It's, not, it's like it's not good, but it's not bad. Some of it's been questionable. What are your thoughts? Well, yes, I believe that mechanically unique cards put into these expensive timed promotional drops is absolutely rancid and should not happen. But in terms of... Like, I know I was kind of vocal about it initially, and I'm fine with walking back my statements on this. I'm kind of okay now with Walking Dead cards existing because mm. they'll only ever really show up in Legacy and... Now, I know that that's, you know, I don't play Legacy myself, so it, that really doesn't affect me, so I don't have much of a say on that part. But when it comes to Commander and stuff, I don't really mind, to be honest. Like, I play with proxy cards that have cool, weird art that aren't magic art on them. So, like, how how is that very different from, oh, I have a, a Rick Grimes card, you know, like, so. You know, and if you really care that much about it, just rule zero it. You know, yeah. rule zero, the cause of and solution to all of Commander's problems. So from what we can tell, based on what what's he has said, it got way more people into Magic and buying Magic cards in general. And it's allowing more people to play in different ways that they find cool and interesting. So I'm all for it. One big thing that I have that I want to see out of Secret Layers going forward is I want to see them work with proxy artists on their own Secret Layer drops. Yeah. You know, like, like Sheepwave or... Uh, the proxy guy or ALK authors, like any of them, like if they got a message from Watsy being like, we like the, the tribute stuff that you've done or whatever, we want you to work on it with us for a secret layer or whatever. That's something that just sounds like could never happen. But when yeah. you stop and think about it, you're like, well, how, how can it not? You know, like that seems like a super, super easy way for Watsy to like even monetarily look at it like people will happily buy that and it'll be a great joint venture it's showing that they care about different types of creators within the community and stuff it'd be fantastic it's a win-win for literally everybody you Mm. know i'm sure there's probably some sort of like little legal thing that causes some sort of problem somewhere but they have enough lawyers to be able to work around it so who knows from what I can tell with Watsy and Proxies is that Watsies make the rules on it so they could easily change it to compensate for this. It's just yeah. whether they want to. That's it. I mean, it is kind of like asking Watsy, do you want to put in a little bit of effort for loads more money? Like, come yeah. on, Watsy. You know where we are. Hire us already. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying this. <laughs> so, the other thing that we found was kind of both good and bad were companions. Because... They were kind of busted in their original design where you essentially started every game with eight cards in hand. Um, but like they are now more balanced in terms of power. But the new rule does favor the slower decks like the Orion builds and everything yeah. because paying three mana is a very high price to pay in a Luris deck, for example. You know, But they are really neat and they did spawn a bunch of different decks and strategies. So I'd happily see them again. But yeah, I really like the concept of companions. I just think mm. with that rules change, it just hated out the mechanic almost. Yeah. Like, as you said, just Urion's pretty much the only viable one now. Yes, mm. you do see Abosh and Lurus crop up once in a while, but granted, it's not as regular as it was before. And then you miss out on the really cool ones like Gigantha, you know, mm. that saw a lot of play and now don't because they're just unplayable. Yeah. But yeah, I'd like to see them back at some point, And it's a really, really cool idea to have this little pet going into combat with you. So I do hope they bring it back in some way. Yeah. To be honest, I would be happy to see them come back, but with a little bit of a rules revisit. And I think I mentioned this when they were talking about the companion rules and stuff in general, but I think the best design for it, 
and you know let us know on twitter if you disagree with this or have better ideas yourself because we're we're definitely open to hearing them is that rather than having to pay three to put it into your hand you do have the companion available that you can just cast from exile from the start but you have to exile a card from your hand once you decide to keep so that you still have the same number of cards you do have access to your companion though and you still had to have a deck building restriction in order to have that companion in the first place so that to me feels a little more fair for both the aggressive strategies as well as the likes of the the orion decks and that kind of thing but mm. that's that's another conversation for another day i guess but <laughs> when we return to ikoria return to ikoria that sounds like great fun so <laughs> the last thing that we have to talk about with 2020 is our top three cards so for myself I'll just get them out of the way. Just blast through them real quick. In no yeah. particular order. Yeah. We have Sprite Dragon. My lovely little fairy dragon son. And for the other two, I've kind of cheated a little bit. So I yeah. said cycling cards because it's basically any of the cards that have cycling one on them from Akoria because they fit into the standard cycling deck, which proved that budget decks can be competitive, at least at some point. And they also fit into the likes of Cycling Storm and Pauper and stuff as well. And then the other one was the Pathway Lands because, well, I think we've talked enough about them. They're just really, really good. They're, They're absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And very excited to see the cycle finish mm, in Calheim. Yeah. And it's nice to have a cheap dual land option. I think my okay. issue with them is that they shouldn't be at rare, but that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so my top three in no order. So I've got Nefroi Apex of Death because mm-hmm. Nefroi was one of my first cards I opened from Akoria and it was just like, yeah, I'm going to build a command deck around this. This seems sweet. And I opened the old art one mm-hmm. with the metal looking art where it's got like the ribs hanging out and stuff. It looked really, really cool. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I built like a birthing pod style deck with that and that was sweet. Next one is Blood Chiefs first because I think this is a fantastic little removal spell that is super, super cheap and yeah. sees play in modern because it's just effective and it's super budget. And yep. I think if you're in black and, and in modern, you want to pick these up because I think it's just really, really good. And lastly, probably one of my favourite cards from last year is Skyclave Apparition. It's not really budget now because everyone's realised it's really, really good, but yeah. it's just, just the best of that effect you're going to see. It's just so yeah. effective. And it's it just is. fun to do with Flickle Wisp, as it I is. found out. It's a very good card indeed. Very good mm. card. We're going to see that for a long time to come. Yeah. Now, our hopes for 2021 magic. Hope is a questionable word. <laughs> yeah, we all, have, we all have our hopes and aspirations for 2021 in general. But when it comes to magic, we already have a reasonable idea as to what's coming up in terms of sets and that kind of thing. So... We can take a little bit of a a closer look at some of them. So, first one up on the list here, one that I know that you're probably a little more excited about than I am, and that's Modern Horizons 2. I'm tentatively excited, just because Mm. of what happened in Modern Horizons 1. I think the biggest excitement from the set is just that Fetchlands are getting reprinted, and reprinted at Rare, which is a big game. It just depends on how much product there is, given with COVID and distribution and stuff, that it... Mm-hmm. hopefully influences the price in a favourable way. But no, I really like the idea of Modern Horizons. I love having the idea of, you know, having these older cars coming into Modern but not going into Standard. It just gives you yeah. so much more room. I'd love to see more cars like Unearth, for example, come into Modern because I think that's a really good example of the sort of power you want in the format. I just want Impulse in Modern. How is it not in Modern yeah. already? 
Hey, everyone keeps saying careful study because it's their faithful studying, so oh, I think that would I'd be a little too good. But. No, no, no. They'll have <laughs> careful study, that's fine. I'll take it. <laughs> then, next thing that we're hopeful for is the D&D set. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for this because we're both big fans of D&D and the fact that we get to play with all the mm. items and the characters is magic cards just sounds like something child me would deeply appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's going to be good fun. Hopefully it's going to be like, you know, reasonably well powered. Like it's not going to be super, super busted. Yeah. And because Zendikar Rising has the whole party mechanic, I hope that's relevant as well when it comes yeah. to D&D. And because yeah. it, it replaces the core set, so there is no core set this year because they're doing a D&D set. Um, so I'd be kind of interested to see what they do. And it'd just be cool to have like a deck of many things, if possible. That'd be pretty cool. That would I be would great. not mind that. Yeah. On the on the topic of, you know, sets that are not too busted, more of those, please. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, like you said, like, it's cool to have powerful cards and just to see, you know, where they fare in various formats. But I'd be happy just to have a, a really underwhelming set once in a while, just to yeah. have a break. Because last year felt like it was powerful thing after powerful thing after powerful thing. Yeah. It gets a bit tiring after a while. Mm. One other thing that I personally would love out of 2021 is being able to play some real paper magic again. Like, even yeah. just going to an FNM in an LGS would just be, be chef's kiss. I'd love it would it. be enough. Mm. Yeah. Because we're not going to have GPs this year, so. Oh, no. Not at all. <laughs> That would be the next big thing, yeah. Like, I just got to remember how to play Paper Magic against the opponent opposite me, because I imagine you have to relearn some of the like the social nuances. Because it's just like I feel like oh, yeah. I feel like some of the things will change. Like, unless yeah. absolutely necessary, I'm not going to get someone to cut my deck. I'm going to be like, "Are you okay with this, or do you want to call a judge or something?" You know, I always um, always cut my deck myself usually mm. before giving it to the opponent. So yeah. Like I know it's I know it's a sportsmanship thing where you, yeah. you present it so that they can just you know cut it or whatever and that's fine. I don't, I don't want people but, picking up my cards without my permission, and I, I would just yeah. be like, you can look at it by me just showing it to you. Like yeah. a lot of hand touching is going to be like like will handshakes yeah. be a thing? Yeah, I like I'm not going to sit down and shake someone's hand anymore. I'm going to nod yeah. and be like very Elbow nice bump. and respectful and stuff. But funny story when coronavirus started to spread around we were in myself and leanne were in belgium for the magic festivals on there in brussels magic fest brussels and we sat down to play some theros beyond death it was just out and we were playing two-headed giant draft we sat down against our opponents and we went to go shake hands because by default this is what we did and one guy was like sorry I, i don't shake hands and at first, I was like, it's a little weird. But then when I thought about it, I was like, I mean, like, you don't know what I've been doing with my hand. Like, I've stood in enough queues in Magic Fests <laughs> for the toilet to tell you that Magic players just don't wash their hands. So, like, I get it. I totally get it, you know? Like, so I, I understood and respected it at the time. But now I'm like, yeah, I might just do the exact same thing because, like, gross. <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. just shaking randomers' hands now? Like, it's been drilled into me. I don't do that anymore now. <laughs> Yeah, like, there's going to be a time, or just at least a behaviour, where just physical contact is going to be non-existence. Like, unnecessary physical contact. It's going to take a while to ramp back up to that stuff, yeah. Yeah. And lastly, the one thing I'm hopeful for, which I have ranted about on various episodes of this podcast, is reprint Cabinet Souls, please, at Rare. Thank you. That's all I want. A simple, simple request. 
Pretty simple request, all right, yeah. All right. Do we have any Q&A this week, Emma? We do. We have our weekly Evie the Mage uh, stonks little Mm -hmm. tweet. So they say Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yep. So, (laughs) again, I think Evie the Mage is a little optimistic because he goes on about the hopeful return of Paper Modern, um, which, Mm. you know, fingers crossed. Uh, He's found a couple of good budget picks and one we talked about earlier, which is Manamorphose which is in Double Masters, and it averages about $2 each at the moment, which is really, really cheap, considering at one point it was a $10 card. Thanks, Shadow Moor. I remember spending €45 Euros on my first play set of Manamorphos. Yes. Yeah. So that card is just silly good. And yeah. another good one, which I didn't realise it was so cheap now, is Inquisition of Kozilek. It's like oh. $1.75. Not bad. Each, which is really, really good for... A really good discard spell in modern when you think about it. It's yeah. it's a good placeholder on Thoughtseize if you're not running it. Evie the Mage also asks, now with the new year, new year of paper events coming back, fingers crossed, mm-hmm. what formats would you like to see more of competitively, Legacy, Pioneer or Modern? Pioneer, hands down. Yeah, same. Absolutely. Snap that off. Want my, just want my baby to grow. <laughs> see, see our previous <laughs> rant, re-Pioneer. <laughs> Modern's already established at this point. It doesn't need paper events, nor nor does Legacy, because people who own Legacy yeah. decks will go out their own way to play Legacy. Whereas Pioneer needs that paper engagement. It needs that, you know, growth. And if the whole year was just Pioneer, I'd be fine if it meant the format could come back to its former glory. If it could evolve into what it yeah, needs to be. It's yeah. just like, I love Pioneer so much. It, it deserves better. It does. Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, Odin Egan, Philip Delmott, The Jazz Guy, The Joe Cheney, Bradley Rose, Stephanie Pace, Ian Holland, and The Pauper Guild. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, Ryan Collins, and Nerblin. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us, head on over to patreon.com forward slash budgetmagiccast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.